Good evening, blah, and welcome to a very special Halloween podcast. What? No, it's like almost Christmas. It's not Halloween anymore. Sorry, blah, but all the segments are very scary, blah. Well, I'll give you that, but it's not a Halloween podcast. Enjoy the show, blah. the world for nothing. Commence your groveling. Rotti, your king is dying. Even Rotti Largo cannot prevent this passing. The will inherit you. So back when it was Halloween, I decided to get a game on sale at Steam, which is Amnesia The Dark Descent. It's actually kind of old. It's a couple years old, but I never picked it up at launch and I never picked it up between them because... You know, I have to kind of watch my money. And it was on sale for the cheap. So I thought, with a second game coming out pretty soon, I would pick this one up and be ready for the second game. It is by Frictional Games, which I think is one of those small indie developers. It is classified as survival horror, although I would say it's really kind of like a graphic adventure. It is first-person view, so you never really see yourself at all. It's mostly in a castle at night in the dark. And your character will go kind of crazy if he doesn't stay in the light. He can go in the dark for like a little bit, but he starts to freak out. When noises happen or he sees a monster, he'll get totally freaked out. And the more he freaked out, the harder it is to control him. The first effect is sort of a wiggly vision that makes me kind of motion sick. So it's kind of upsetting because it gets a little difficult to play at times and then after that if he gets more scared it'll get really blurry and even more wiggly and then he'll start to turn weird he sort of snap turns and he'll be like crawling on the floor i've never actually died from being too freaked out i don't know if you can but it certainly becomes very very crippling to play the story is sort of flashback slash journal reading style you wake up and you have amnesia that's why it's called amnesia and you are trying to figure out what happened to you you're given a note from yourself as it were and you say that if you have the courage you should go kill this guy and you've purposely erased your own memory somehow it is primarily a puzzle game there really isn't any fighting you can't really fight the monsters at all you just have to avoid them Because they're, like, way more powerful than you. Even when you have things, that it kind of makes sense that you should be able to use them on the monster you can't. Which seems a bit strange, that it's all just avoidance and hiding. But it's cool like that. The sound is very good. The music is meh. There's not a whole lot of music. The voice acting sounds like it was recorded and saved in sort of a low-quality mode. So it doesn't sound all that good, certainly not as cool as it could be. There are not independent sound or music or voice sliders. It's just sound is on or off, which is kind of problematic to me because I don't know if it's just me, but music always is too loud in games. I will typically turn music down to about 60%, sometimes 40%, because I like to be able to hear the sounds and the voices 
clearly. And then games like this where it's defaulting to whatever, you know, balance they set it to, it always seems kind of loud and the voices are kind of hard to hear for me at times. It is tolerable though. I mean, it's not it's not game crippling or anything. I have played for four hours. A review I checked last night said that you can complete it in about six. And it's pretty much in the old school style of the graphic puzzle games of things like Myst. Though it does seem pretty well sectioned in that you're kind of trapped in this one section until you figure out the puzzle and then you move on to the next section. And then again, you know, there's things that block your path from going back. So it's not totally like the old, old school games where you would pick up stuff that you don't use for like, you know, an hour later. And if you missed it, you have to go all the way back. It's not like that. It blocks your progress and you have to complete a section before you can move on. And the sections, I would say, aren't terribly big. You don't feel lost or anything. And they aren't so small that you're like, oh, this one room has this one thing that I pulled the lever for and it's done. You know, it's more complicated than that. But I don't think it's ever overly complicated. I have never had to look up a hint site or anything. I was very close to last night, but then I decided to back up to a different section and look around some more, and I found what I was missing. So they're not terribly difficult puzzles. The atmosphere is pretty spooky, and it's very haunted house-ish through most of it. I don't know if I would say that I have been genuinely, truly scared at any point in it, because there is journal reading, and there are flashbacks, but the flashbacks are just audio. They're not visual. So nothing really is super scary. The monster is kind of freaky. A little bit scary, but not like, oh, so scary. I would say that the journal entries do seem a bit strange. Because it's like, even though I knew I was going to cause myself to lose my memory, why would I scatter a journal all the way back through this entire castle and do so in the order of the journal to make it you know, easy for me to figure out what I had been before. I mean, sure, you know, you would want to leave a journal, but you would leave it in one piece, you know, you wouldn't tear it out page by page and scatter it chronologically. That kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But that's my only real gripe for the game. I mean, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense from a, you know, logical standpoint. From a game-playing standpoint, it probably makes sense if I were a game designer, I probably would have just made it all flashbacks and had, you know, ghost-like apparitions appear as I was remembering. So, you know, you get that visual and audio going on. But I don't know, maybe that's how it will be in the second one. It seems like a pretty good game, but it is very short. So I would say the default price may or may not be too pricey, depending on how much it is. Just remember that a reviewer said it was about six hours. I have played four, and I haven't finished it yet, so that's probably fairly accurate. But if you're into old-school sort of graphic adventure puzzle games, and you're looking for something a little bit scary, a little bit different, you might want to check it out. Didn't I tell you not to go out? Didn't I? You did, you did. Didn't I say the world was cruel? You did, you did. Tell me how this happened, what I did wrong. Tell me why. Can we just go home, Shy, and forget this dreadful night? Didn't you say that you were different? I have another zombie iOS game. 
This one is Into the Dead, and it is free. When this podcast launches, it will have been out, I think, about a week, so it's very new. When the game starts out, it shows that you are in a helicopter crash in a field of zombies. They're all the slow kind of zombies that are just kind of milling around. But it looks like you are the sole survivor of the helicopter crash, and you start running away from the zombies, trying to, you know, get away and survive. It doesn't explain the story other than that, but it doesn't really need to. It is a first-person view of a perpetual running game away from the zombies. Well, through the zombies, actually. And I think it's supposed to be taking place at night. There are very few light sources, and you can't really see color in zombies until you get, like, right up on top of them. Otherwise, they just, you know, look like shadowy forms. It makes it a very spooky and fun experience. There isn't really music to speak of. It just kind of has ambient sounds. I would recommend playing with headphones on, or, you know, sound on at least. You can set the controls to several different options, though I think it might be best to keep it at the default tilt style and then tap to shoot or use weapons. Because if you're pushing on the screen to turn, you know, right or left, then, you know, you're blocking up part of the screen. And the zombies can, you know, pile up and get in your way very quickly, so I think it's best to have as much of a view as you can. You can't change your run speed, and you can't really turn all that much. You just kind of lean to one side or the other, which I, I guess it works okay. You know, it doesn't make it too exciting or too stressful to try and get through the zombies. I think it is random, but it does seem to have a sort of pattern to it. Like when you start out, you go for a certain distance, and you're in kind of an open field, and then you get to a corn field, and then I think after that it's kind of random. Once I went to a clearing and then to a second cornfield, and once there was a clearing and then a forest. So it could be a little bit random, but I do think it always starts out with that same open area and then into a cornfield, because that's how, you know, the difficulty sort of ramps up. Sound and music can be turned off, but it doesn't care. It will still block out any other sounds. You can't listen to music or a podcast if the game sound is on or off. So that is kind of a disappointment. Although, like I said, it's it's probably best if you actually listen to the sound and music while you're playing anyways. It is one of those games that you just kind of play for a few minutes, and that's about as long as the game lasts. And then, you know, you play a few times while you're in line. It's not real deep. It's not going to pull you in a whole lot. Like I said, it is free. There are coins to buy perks, I think they call them. And then you can also unlock different kinds of weapons and stuff. Since it is free, there are a tremendous number of ads. They will come in either at the end of the game or right after you start a game, it'll pause and put up an ad. Or if you're looking at the armory, it'll put up a ad in there. So it's kind of annoying, but the game is free. So I guess it's a fair balance. They aren't really intrusive in terms of getting in your way of gameplay. It's not like you'll be in the middle of the game and one will come up or anything. But it is kind of annoying, you know, at the end or start of every game to have an ad. And it kind of, you know, takes you out of the mood. I would really like in the store options to have like a, you know, pay $1 to get rid of the ads option. It doesn't exist. You have to just tolerate the ads. It would probably work for right or left-handed people. Because like I said, the basic form of how you control is tilt style. So I don't think that really matters for handedness. 
It is mostly grayscale, so if you have issues with that, it might be a harder thing to see. But it's free, so you know you can download it and try it and see if it works or not for you. You don't have any hit points or any way to recover damage because you're either kind of grabbed and thrown off your balance or, you know, you're grabbed and totally eaten and killed. There are also other things in the way. As I said, there's a cornfield, so you can sort of stumble over stuff in the cornfield. There's a forest and there will be trees. And there are fences and other things that your character might get jostled by. And the camera will shake and stuff. So it gets a little bit difficult to control, but it's, you know, fun. There isn't a huge range of movement, as I mentioned before. You kind of tilt to turn. Sometimes something will come up sort of at the far range of your view. And even if you're at full tilt that direction, sometimes you won't be able to catch it before it goes by. And weapons are very scarce and ammo is very scarce. So it's really kind of important to grab everything you can if you can. I actually even unlock the extra crates perk which increases the chances of stuff coming up, and still, there's hardly any when I play. I have probably played maybe an hour so far. I don't know if I'll play all that much more. Like I said, it's a very fun game. It's got really good atmosphere if you can put your headphones in and play. If you're standing in line or waiting for a movie or something, you might want to play a few games there. But I don't know how much long-term interest it will have, since it really is just designed to be played for a few minutes at a time. And then the game is over, and that's it. And skill really won't help you all that much. I mean, yeah, you know, if you're more skilled at dodging the zombies, you'll be able to play a little bit longer. But I don't think a game would last you more than, say, five minutes. I haven't actually timed it, but the games can be really short. And the long games don't even seem all that long. If you like perpetual running games, and you're into the zombie thing, I would highly recommend you pick it up, especially since it's free. But the ads are kind of annoying. And like I said, the games are designed to be really short, so it won't be something you play for a long period of time. It's just something you pick up and play a few times and then, you know, move on with your day, as it were. Shiloh, is your name Shiloh? Can I talk to you? Can you come down, please, so we can speak? I saw you at the show I thought I'd seen a ghost Your resemblance is striking You have your mother's eyes, her hair I was told you died with her All these years have come and gone How do I put this? I'm your, I'm your godmom Stay your business, business Plague Incorporated is by Endemic Creations, I want to say It's like Pandemic but without the P or the A the only way I can think to classify it would be to call it maybe a simulator. It is basically a game where you create a sort of virus or bacteria and you evolve it so it can kill as many people as possible. I had heard about it quite a while ago, but because the goal is to basically wipe out humanity, I've been avoiding it and not picking it up because I knew it would probably make me sad, and it does. But I'm always looking for stuff to talk about on the podcast, and it was a dollar. And it has been top in the charts of a few different categories for quite some time now, so I figured, well, I'll go ahead and give it a look. Maybe it won't make me quite as sad as I think it might. I was wrong, it does, but here's my rambling about it. 
There are sound and music checkboxes. They seem to be independent of the music or podcast you are listening to. So you can play the game and listen to whatever, whether you have the sound on or not. The sound is pretty minimal, but it's very good. The music isn't really music in that it's more kind of spooky background noises or just kind of regular noises in general, like you might hear an announcement of a flight coming or going. You might hear somebody coughing or sneezing, or you might hear spookyish things like sort of ghost-like children singing of the Ashes, Ashes song. I don't know the name of the song, but everybody knows it. Ends with Ashes, Ashes, We All Fall Down. If you do not know, that is about a disease. The game is a very interesting and pretty realistic, I would say, simulator in terms of how the disease or whatever you make spreads and how, you know, people react to it. When the game starts, only bacteria is unlocked. There are 13 other types of things, such as viruses, things like that, you know, different types of illness stuff. I don't really know the term for them. You can go to their online store and unlock some or all of them if you want, but normally they are designed to unlock through certain victory conditions. Like I think virus is the second thing after bacteria, but you have to beat the game on, I think it's a normal or hard difficulty with just bacteria. Oh, there are three different difficulty levels. I think they are called casual, normal, and hardcore. Casual is something like nobody ever washes their hands, doctors like don't work, and people hug the people that are sick. So whatever you make is going to spread really fast. Normal, I think, is kind of a type of simulator setting that would be sort of realistic to how people normally react. And then hard is kind of described as what seems like they're sort of in a panic state to start with. When a game starts out, you decide where to start your disease. And it basically can only have like one or two things. On the two games I played, I started by unlocking a transmission type and then a sort of illness type. The first game, I think I started by water transmission and dropped it into one of the Middle Eastern desert countries where I figured people would, you know, need water and so that should spread pretty quickly. My second game I accidentally dropped into France. I was trying for England, but I guess I missed. And that one I sort of made like a common cold. I made it airborne and it had sort of congestion as its first symptom. As the game goes along and more people get infected, you get biological points, I think they call them. And you can evolve your disease. You can give it either more symptoms or more transmission methods or things like resistance to drugs or resistance to being fought off by people, you know, the immune system. And as time goes on, it may actually evolve on its own and develop more symptoms. So you eventually get to the point where it has enough bad symptoms that people will start dying from it. And the point is to, you know, make enough people die that you win the game. There are a lot of subtleties to it, I think, though, because the more symptoms and the more dangerous it is, the higher it is in terms of threat to the world, and thus the harder they will fight to get a cure. So you want kind of a balance of it not being 
super deadly and yet having, you know, enough dangerous elements that it will be dangerous and spread, you know, pretty quickly. Because if it doesn't have, you know, too many transmission methods, it may spread in a more stealthy fashion, but it might take, you know, so long they cure it just out of having a longer time to work with it. It does have really good graphics. It is really interesting in terms of how you can design the the disease or, you know, whatever it is that you are designing. You can make it have symptoms that are like something in the real world, or you can make it just have like everything and the most deadly thing of all. Or you can just give it a few things and make it super resistant to being fought off by people. There's all kinds of subtleties in the design and potential spread of what you are creating. Like I said, because it is about basically killing off the world, it's not going to be something that is for everybody. It mostly appealed to my curiosity about, you know, how such things could work and how it could affect the world. But it is kind of scary in that, you know, it is realistic enough that you're going, oh my god, this thing only has this and this symptom, and yet look at what's happening to the world. So it does make you realize, you know, just how susceptible we are to things like basically a common cold with one element that could kill people, and, you know, how quickly it could spread and what could happen if an outbreak does happen. So it is definitely not for everybody. I would say it is more for a hardened type of person, I guess I could call it. You know, somebody who would see the numbers and so many people dead and not really be affected by it. People like me who are more sensitive and, you know, oh my god, all these people are dying, that's terrible. A little bit harder to think of it as just a game. You know, I have played tons and tons of games where I've done some pretty bad stuff, but the more terrible things do kind of bother me. And although they are just numbers on the screen, you might be a person that is also bothered by it, so it might be a lot less fun than it otherwise would be. If, as example, it were the reverse, and I was trying to design a cure, or maybe this is a colony on some off-world planet, and something about the environment is killing all the people, and I'm trying to devise something to save them all, you know, something like that, I would be totally into it. But being that I'm trying to design stuff to kill people, that's kind of very sad, especially when it is based on the real world. You know, I mean, they could have easily made it a different world with different nation and country names, and it wouldn't be quite as bad. But because it is, you know, our world, makes it kind of extra terrible. But as a simulator for disease and what could happen and and how the game is sort of designed in general in terms of, you know, not just the strategy of it, but the overall design in terms of graphics and sound and how you spend points and how it works overall is actually a really good game, especially since it's only $1. Industrialization has crippled the globe. Enjoy day and nighttime formula of Zydrate. Nature failed as technology spread. In turn, if Zydrate is right for you. And in this wake, a market erected. Buy Zydrate from an unlicensed source is illegal. An entire city built on top of the dead. I don't have any new movies or TV shows to talk about this time, so I will talk about 
a little bit older one. I only own a few musicals, like three, I think, and this is one of them. It is called Repo the Genetic Opera. It is something I think sci-fi and more horror fans than fantasy would enjoy. And it is sort of a lesser known movie. Very few people actually seem to know about it. Oddly, there wasn't really a whole lot of advertising for it when it came out and it released in only a few number of theaters. I think I recall the wiki page said it only released in like six theaters, which is kind of crazy. That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. It has a surprisingly, I guess you could say, high-profile cast. You might want to click on the link and take a look at the cast of characters because it may surprise you who is in it. The most notable for sci-fi slash fantasy fans would be Anthony Head, who is otherwise known as Giles from the Buffy the Vampire Slayer series. And he also appeared in one Doctor Who episode that I know of. It takes place in a dark future, I guess you could call it, where a company has risen to power through making artificial implants, and then they sort of expanded into cosmetic implants, and they and they gained a lot of wealth and power and eventually corrupted the government. Anthony Head plays the Repo Man, and since the company corrupted the government, they created this law where they could repossess any organs that were in a person while they were still alive when they have defaulted on their loans. The movie is science fiction slash horror. So as you may guess, when he's repossessing the stuff, it gets kind of gross. And I would cover my face up and go kind of ew in some parts. So you might want to do that if you are into horror but not that into it. It's got a little bit of comedy. Some of the scenes are a little bit comical, you know, dark comedy as it were. The story is really good. There is a storyline between him and his daughter. He's trying to protect her from the terrible things in the world. Since it is a dark future, you know, it's the world's kind of falling apart and there's lots of dangerous stuff out there. He is also living a secret life. She doesn't know he is a repo man and so he's trying to protect her from figuring out the truth about the repo men who they are and, you know, what they do and all. And there's also sort of another storyline between the family that controls the company and Anthony Head's character. So there's a lot of interesting story going on. The plot may sound sort of similar to another movie, which was called Repo Men with Jude Law and Forrest Whitaker. That came out about a year and a half after Repo the Genetic Opera. And it's basically the same sort of plot. Jude Law and Forrest Whitaker are both repo men and they're collecting organs from people who have defaulted on their loans and, you know, getting them back from them. So it's basically the exact same main plot, just the company is a corporate company instead of a family-run company. The world isn't quite as corrupt and, I suppose you could say, dark as it is in Repo the Genetic Opera. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if the writers had taken the basic ideas for Repo the Genetic Opera and, you know, twisted them up into a non-musical, since Repo the Genetic Opera had been in the works for quite some time. There are several memorable slash catchy tunes, and some of the tech that they use is actually pretty cool, though they only sort of briefly show it, because tech isn't really the main focus of the movie, you know, it's about the interaction between the different characters. It is not a mainstream film, so it will probably not be in any physical location you go to. However, 
you should be able to find it at your favorite streaming slash online rental store. If you are into musicals or even just okay with them and you like sci-fi slash horror, you should definitely check it out. The closest thing I could think to compare it to would be something like Rocky Horror Picture Show. Although, you know, it'd be Rocky Horror Picture Show with blood and guts and violence. But, you know, if you did like Rocky Horror Picture Show, you will probably like Repo the Genetic Opera quite a bit. As I said, it's one of only like three musicals that I own. So it is very cool. I like it a lot. But again, be warned, you know, it is horror. There is a lot of blood. Some of it's kind of in a comical way. Some of it's kind of in a, you don't want to look at it kind of way. But it is very worth watching, I think. Sometimes I wonder why they need me at all. Zydrate comes in a little glass vial. A little glass vial? And the little glass vial goes into the gun like a battery. And the Zydrate gun goes somewhere against your anatomy. And when the gun goes off, it sparks and you're ready for surgery. Surgery. So I guess that is it for this not Halloween special podcast. Not a whole lot of news or stuff I can think about to say. The Secret World has dropped its subscription model. So all you have to do now is pay for the basic game and any pay for expansions they put out. I always said it shouldn't have a subscription model. So now there is not one. I don't remember when it came out, but I do remember thinking it should have gone non-subscription sooner than now. But they have finally gotten wise and made it no subscription. I still don't know if I would recommend it since it is extremely short on content. I remember a lot of going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth to quests I had done over and over. It can be played, I I would say, on a single playthrough, as it were. You know, just going through all the quests once. If you are extremely focused in your skill building and you only build to like one spec... You probably, you know, wouldn't need all that many points. Who knows, maybe they tuned the points as well. But I recall from being of a standpoint of wanting, you know, a tanking spec and a sort of off DPS slash healing spec, I really wasn't getting enough points to progress all that deep as either. I did well enough, but to be, you know, really awesome, I had to play a lot, which was a lot of, like I said, repetitive quest doing, you know, doing the same stuff over and over. You could do wherever in the game and still get decent experience, so it was okay. But like I said, you know, if you progress through and didn't repeat stuff, there really isn't all that much there. But if you're looking for something that's a bit different, you know, the skill system is interesting and cool. It is set in sort of a modern slash fantasy style, so that's very cool and different. You know, most stuff is just straight up fantasy. So I don't know if you had thought about checking it out, it might be worth checking it out now that there's no subscription required. For those of you into mech combat, Hawken has entered open beta, so you should be able to just go and grab the client and smash other people's mechs. I still haven't checked it out yet. I got a alpha invite a few months ago, but because of all the issues with my system, you know, I, I kind of avoided grabbing the client. I should probably do that and check it out. I had heard it was just like one PvP battle zone, and that was like it. So it didn't seem all that high priority for me to give give it a look. 
But like I said, you know, uh, who knows what it's like now, so I should probably grab it and check it out. I don't know if it's under NDA. With an open beta, it probably wouldn't be, because anybody can play. But I'll check out the clients, and uh, if there's no NDA, maybe I'll talk about that in the future. But I guess that is it for this podcast. I can't think of much else to say. So hopefully everybody had a good time, even though the stuff was all pretty much older stuff. And hopefully I'll see everybody next time. Okay, thanks, bye. This isn't happening, Dale. We're not here. It's just a bad dream. Oh, I agree completely. Why, we'll wake up any minute to conquer and have a laugh about all this. Bacteria, as it were. You know, it's a little bit harder to just think of it as just a game. I think I recall the wiki... I think I recall the wiki page said something like it only... The following who knows about it is usually pretty positive about it. And the mainstream... Blah, edit. Hey, want to hear the new dubstep song I wrote? You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at www.rabbit.com slash podcast slash rabbitsramblings.html. If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit.com. If you friend me, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit.com. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at rabbitdotcom. It's rabbit.com, but with not a period. When you type rabbit's ramblings, don't use the space. And be sure to put the number one in place of I whenever you type rabbit. Rabbit's Ramblings is copyright 2012 and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.